possessing Med Device Unleashed Podcast. Your next level source for all things sales and device. Now, here's your host, Jamie Tipton. Jamie Tipton. Med Device Unleashed is back, and we're back stronger than ever. We are fresh off of the American Society of Pain and Neuroscience meeting, which was held in the beautiful, wonderful Miami, Florida. This meeting was a resounding success. It was phenomenal. And the buzz, it was palpable to say the least. Every physician I talked to said that they got a ton out of the meeting and they had a great time. Not only did they have a great time, but MedDevice Unleashed, we also had a good time because we took the show to the trade show floor live, which I've never done before. The only place I've ever recorded a podcast is within my own office. So I was a little bit nervous. And I did find out that I did not have the optimal setup for a mobile podcast recording. I just had enough to get it done. And so we did that. We interviewed some of the top interventional pain physicians in the country. And of course, when the founder and chairman, Dr. Tim Deere, and the vice chairman, Dr. Dawood Syed, sat down with me, I was excited. But apparently the technology did not want to work. And so we had some technical difficulties with that interview. But everything happens for a reason, right? So what we're going to share with you after I get done talking on this intro is my awesome interviews with both Dr. Dawood Syed and Dr. Tim Deere, in addition to all the clips that we got with all the great guests we had live on the floor at Aspen. I'm excited about it. Absolutely thrilled to be giving this content to y'all, and hopefully you enjoy it. It was an absolute honor and privilege to have this man on the podcast. Med Device Unleashed couldn't have asked for a better guest, a better interview, and I'm excited to share it with everybody. Dr. Dawood Syed is coming up, and let me just tell you what this man's involved in because the list is lengthy and it's impressive. He's the Associate Professor of Anesthesiology and Pain Medicine at the University of Kansas Hospital, where he's also the Chief of Pain Medicine. He's the Program Director of the Multidisciplinary Pain Medicine Fellowship at the University of Kansas. He's also the Medical Director of the University of Kansas Comprehensive Spine Center and the director of the Center of Neuromodulation at the University of Kansas Hospital, and he's the vice chairman of the board at Aspen, American Society of Pain and Neuroscience. His time is valuable. He was able to spend a few minutes with us, which was very gracious of him, and we enjoyed every second of it. Without further ado, here he is, Dr. Dawood Syed. Welcome, my man. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. Excellent, man. Well, listen, I know you're a busy man. You got the family, you got things going on. So we're going to dive right into this pool. And I'll start off by saying, as somebody who's not a practitioner, and I was at that meeting in Miami, it was unbelievable, man. So congratulations to everybody on the Aspen team, on the board, everybody who participated, because I felt like, at least from the outside looking in, and after talking to all the docs and everybody that was there, I mean, it was a resounding success. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jamie. It does take a small army to pull off a meeting of that scope. This was really our second in-person annual meeting. Last year, of course, we had to go virtual because of the pandemic. Going into this thing, uh, just to give you some context, when we sent out our prospectus to our potential members that would be coming in like industry representatives, we estimated that we may have about 350 members, attendees at the meeting. And we were kind of trying to stay conservative because at our first meeting, we had about 500 people. And we thought coming out of a pandemic and those types of things, it's better to be conservative. We ended up having about 1,500 people there live. And then we also had our live stream, which we kind of broadcast 
both regionally, internationally as well, had another 500 or so people there. So we reached about 2,000 people live during the course of that, you know, three-day meeting. So we were really pleased with, you know, attendance for sure. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, the energy, and I was telling Dr. Deer too, the energy was palpable. I mean, you could just feel the excitement. The content was great. All the technologies you had there from a vendor standpoint for exposure to young physicians, older physicians. I mean, you had kind of the full spectrum there, which I thought spoke to the meeting a lot. What do you think made Aspen so successful so quickly? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. You know, when Tim Deere and I sat down and talked about the concept of creating a new society uh, about four years ago, just kind of scribbling some thoughts down on a napkin at a bar. One of the things we both talked about was that, yeah, there's a lot of societies out there. Do we really need another society? And, you know, and that was his question to me. And I said, I think the answer is absolutely yes. And I think all the societies that are out there, when you talk about the pain and surgical and neurosurgical societies are great. You know, they all have their role. But we both didn't feel there was a society that spoke to all of the rapid advancements in the innovation in minimally invasive spine, neuromodulation, et cetera. Add on to that, you know, we felt this palpable pulse of the next generation of practitioners, whether those were residents or fellows or attendings or even, you know, I consider these people kind of newer type thinkers that are established docs that really want to get back into the swing of being involved at meetings and research and those types of things. We felt there was, you know, a large population of those types of individuals. So, you know, we kind of put the thing together with kind of just having it as a small group of members and we'd kind of meet regularly, but it's really just exploded. So I think two things have really driven it. I think it's been, you know, the quench for a lot of the younger people and other people that have been out for a while to really get back involved in kind of the cutting edge stuff. And then just the explosion of this field. When you go, I was kind of amazed that you go into the exhibitor hall at our meeting and you just kind of see all the unique things being done in our space. The field has really been transformed into one that's moved away almost completely from prescribing medications and doing steroid injections to a field that really looks at treating the underlying problems through whether it's a minimally invasive procedure or stimulating certain areas of the spinal cord via via these kind of neuromodulation techniques. So I think it's really exciting. So I think those things have really kind of driven it. And Dr. Said, you just nailed it. I mean, I was going to get into this later on, but you hopped right in on me looking outside in and, you know, I've sold a fair amount of devices within this space. It absolutely, I feel like we're getting a new device or a new therapy or technology every six months in this field. And it's a good problem to have. And at the same token, I feel like it's almost, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it's kind of overwhelming almost to somebody who's maybe just getting into practice or even that has an established practice on when a patient walks into a room now, I mean, there has always been a ton of options but do you see this as a good problem to have when they walk in and do just unlimited? I mean, I feel like you guys have so much, guys and girls have so much to offer these patients from a minimally invasive standpoint. It's an exciting time to be an interventional pain physician. Yeah, well, Jamie, it can be both good and bad. You know, I think the good of it is obvious, you know, that a lot of these approaches seem to be minimally invasive. They have a lower risk profile and they can be done, you know, in an outpatient manner. The bad is that a lot of these things are getting pushed out there without a lot of validation, research, or anything outside of, you know, what a specific industry representative is going to kind of push out there. So I think that's where, you know, societies like Aspen, really, it's kind of one of our onuses is that we really try to discuss these breakthrough treatments 
discuss them in as evidence-based manner as we can at our meetings or whether they're webinars and talk about, you know, what are the experts' experiences with them to date? What further research needs to be done? What's already been done? So I think we are kind of getting bombarded. And when I say we, you know, physicians and patients with a lot of these new interventions and therapies. But if we don't have, you know, the experts in the field and, you know, societies that have a good reputation taking kind of a comprehensive look at this, you know, it's going to get really confusing for the market, the physicians and the patients. No doubt. And I wanted to tell you too, I just thought it was awesome that there was, in a multitude of your breakouts, there was spine surgeons. You had, I mean, Dr. Wynn was there. I mean, we spoke to him on the podcast, interventional radiologist. So there's a lot of different specialties kind of coming together to form this kind of new wave that you're talking about. And I do agree with you. I mean, it's an exciting time. In the same token, it's got to be managed correctly. Where do you see, and you did kind of just answer this, but I know if you could elaborate a little bit on it, is the future of pain medicine because it's no longer, it's very little pills and a lot of, hey, let's fix the issue. Let's address the issue that's going on, whether it be mechanical or otherwise. Where do you see, you know, in the next five, six years, where do you see interventional pain? Well, you know, I think that's a great question. Where I see this, and to kind of allude to what you talked about, you know, with our meeting is that I don't think this is really going to be an interventional pain or a neurosurgical or a physiatry. This is going to be physicians from multiple backgrounds and specialties. Their residencies may be in neurosurgery and anesthesiology and physical medicine, but I think the treatments that we're going to perform are, it's going to be kind of an overlap. And I think societies like, and that's why when we named Aspen, it wasn't just the American Pain Society or the American Society of Pain. It was the American Society of Pain and Neuroscience because we recognize that we need not only the interventional doctors, we need our neurosurgeons and our spine surgeons, and we also need our basic scientists to be involved in this so we can really kind of move forward. Where I see this going is I think that, you know, the trend that you've seen over the last, I'd say, five years with a lot of these minimally invasive treatments, I think it's going to continue. Why I think it's going to continue is because our population is aging. When you look at the baby boomers and where they're kind of getting in their lifespan, you know, there's going to be a lot of patients that are going to be older in age, people like, you know, our parents and grandparents that are going to need treatment for their various ailments and disorders. And unfortunately, you know, as you age, you tack on more health issues. A lot of the traditional approaches when you talk about spine surgery or orthopedic surgery are not going to be viable for them. So I think that the patients are going to be there needing these. We just need to kind of make sure that we move forward with therapies that we know are validated in good science, evidence, and safety. So I think it's going to continue to grow and expand. And a lot of that's going to be pushed by just a big market of patients that really need these types of treatments. No question about it. I was telling Dr. Deer too, when I had him on, that you guys are going to need that whole Lowe's hotel next time. I mean, it was there were so many people. It's a great problem to have. But I mean, you guys could rent out three hotels down there and still not have enough space. Well, yeah, Jamie, you know, we kind of oversold our room block like five times over. We had pretty much a room <laughs> block almost at every every hotel there on the strip. But actually, it's funny that you say that we actually are going to take over the whole hotel next year. So that's kind of the interim plans for next year uh, is that we'll kind of take the whole hotel over. There really won't be any outside rooms given out. And so I think that'll hopefully accommodate us for next year and we'll see where the future goes. No, that's awesome to hear. So talk to us a little bit about iAspen. Yeah, so I think iAspen is something, you know, 
as you probably know, my presidential term came to an end at the end of this last meeting. I've kind of moved on to vice chairman of the board. And one of the things as well as you know, I'm going to have uh, still be very intimately involved with Aspen and everything that we do here in the United States, but I'm going to work with Dr. Rita Tolba, who's the chair of the IASPEN committee. He's practicing out of Abu Dhabi at the Cleveland Clinic, but we really see that there's a huge international vacuum of educational requirements for a lot of the stuff that we're doing here in the United States when you talk about regions like the Middle East, Asia, um, even to an extent some parts of Europe, although Europe has had more advantages than other parts of the globe. But we really want to kind of push the international brand of Aspen to a lot of those areas. So we're going to start with kind of virtual webinar type events. We've already had one. We did one on regenerative medicine back in the spring. We have another one coming up on neuromodulation. But hopefully this thing will all kind of culminate with our first in-person I-Aspen meeting in Dubai on, at the tail end of 2022. So we've kind of already started initial planning on that. We're keeping an eye on the global pandemic to see if things will be in better shape by the end of 2022. But that's really the plan there. And I think the sky's the limit there, Jamie. You know, I think the world is a big place and there's a lot of patients in need and a lot of physicians in need of education. Dr. Syed, listen, I think I might be inviting myself to Dubai. You're invited. We got our first live stream international podcast at IASMAN in Dubai, most definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys. So I'm also curious too, just kind of not really a professional question. This is a side note. So what do you, in your spare time, what do you like to do? I heard you collect sneakers. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that I collect sneakers, but I I'm, have gotten more into, I've had a couple of the young docs I work with really kind of get me into some of the sneaker games. So I was able to jump in on uh, one of the uh, <laughs> Concord Jordan drop that came out like a year ago. Wow. So I was able to get, get a pair of those that I had in high school. And uh, now I've kind of started, you know, Dr. Deere has gotten me into running. So I'm not doing it at the insane clip that he's doing, but I started doing some half marathons and those types of things. So there's been some pretty interesting breakthroughs in sneaker technology. I don't know if you've kind of followed that, but, you know, one of the guys that broke the two hour barrier for a marathon ran in a specific shoe designed by Nike that has like this carbon fiber technology in there. So I've been able to grab a couple pairs of those. So no way. I actually ran in the, the Nike five percenters at the 5K at Aspen. So I did beat my time by about a minute and a half from last time. Nice, so man. It definitely helps you. And I say help you about by about 5%. So and I was able to pick up the next pair. I got them this week. They're called the Nike Alpha Flies. And they were banned from the Tokyo Olympics. So nothing drives uh, running shoe sales when a major athletic competition bans them. So yeah. that makes everyone want <laughs> yeah, them. Man. That makes all the the weekend warriors want them anymore because we want we need every advantage we can get. You know, I just hit the age of forty one, so I'm not like I was when I was your age. So please, man, you're extremely young. You still got a lot of youth in you. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I'm telling you, though, you're going to have, might have to get some more closet space. So what does the wife think about the shoe endeavor? You know, she's got a rule. You know, anytime I buy any new shoes, I got to get rid of old shoes. So she kind of manages that closet space pretty good. So if I buy a couple new pairs, I got to take two pairs off the shelf. So it's kind of a catch 22 there for me. There you go, man. I like it. Well, listen, I I know you're getting back to the family and I appreciate your time. We appreciate your time on Med Device Unleashed. And, and again, thank you and Dr. Deer and everybody who's involved with Aspen allowing, allowing us to come in with Stratus Medical and kind of do a live broadcast right from the booth. And we continue to hopefully do that in the future meetings yeah. here to come. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to give kind of a plug to both you and Brett, you know, Brett with 
uh, Stratus, who's, who you work with very intimately, when he, he spoke to me about this idea about doing live broadcast and ha- this vision of potentially kind of building something like a Super Bowl media row. I really love that idea. Hopefully we can continue to grow that in the future. You know, not everyone can be there. So I think these types of things really help. This virtual world is great. So thanks for coming and committing your resources to it. Hopefully we'll be able to do that even on a bigger scale next year. Dr. Tim Deere is the past president at INS, which is the International Neuromodulation Society. He's the president and CEO of Spine and Nerve Centers of the Virginias. He's the founder and chairman, like I'd mentioned before, of ASPEN, the American Society of Pain and Neuroscience. And he is the West Virginia Society of Interventional Pain Physicians, President Emeritus. I hope I'm saying that right. He's an extremely busy man. He is an absolute joy to talk to, a wealth of knowledge. And I'm excited for the listeners to hear what he has to say. Without further ado, here he is, Dr. Tim Deere. Okay, MedDevice Unleashed. Welcome to this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We have a really, really awesome guest on our hands. I mean, I can't tell you how excited I am to have him on. We have Dr. Tim Deere. He is, he's a lot of things. But what we're going to focus on today is the chairman and founder of Aspen, which is a phenomenal, I was just at the meeting, an absolutely phenomenal meeting. There's a ton going on. The buzz was incredible. I mean, Dr. Deere, it was a resounding success. And I'm here to talk to you about a few things, but Aspen, definitely one of them. You know, talk to us about how you felt Aspen went. Well, sir, Jamie, thanks for having me, first of all. And it's an honor to be here with you. I think there's no question Aspen was, uh, I've been doing medical meetings since the 90s. I, I ran the uh, American Society of Anesthesiology's meeting for their lectures. I ran multiple pain meetings, NANS, INS. But I think of all the meetings I've ever been involved in, the energy at this year's Aspen was the best I've ever seen. There was older people and younger people and diverse people and scientists and clinicians and companies and people that work with uh, industry in several ways like research and everyone had energy. So to me, it was uh, actually the best meeting for medicine I've ever attended. And I've been going to meetings seven or eight times a year for 27 years. So that says a lot. So let me ask you, I mean, I just want to play off that. When did you realize, was there like a day or a time that you realized, hey, this is something I want to start? I mean, that's a huge undertaking and you're a very busy man. You have a lot going on. And so how did this even come about? It was it something you dreamed of doing when you first started practicing or did it just kind of fall in your lap? So it's, it's a great question, Jamie. So, you know, in 2018, I finished my presidency of the INS, the International Neuromodulation Society, which is a great society, which I love. And our goal there was to improve access for patients around the world. And we started many new countries in neuromodulation. And I was very proud of that. I came back to America and I met a lot of young people just out of fellowship. And they talked to many of the societies that exist who are good societies and they couldn't get on a committee and they couldn't give a lecture and they couldn't, they couldn't get involved. And, you know, we have these other guys in their fifties and sixties and ladies and who are really experienced and they couldn't get involved because they didn't weren't involved the whole time. And I found there was this mismatch of people who needed mentoring and people who wanted to mentor and people who wanted to do research. And I thought, why can't everyone get involved who has the willingness to move the field forward? So I just happened to be at a meeting with Dawood Saeed, my good friend from Kansas. And I said, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to start a new society and it's going to be all about mentoring each other and fostering each other and no professional jealousy and everyone rooting for each other and men and women and straight and gay and everybody in our field coming together where there's none of the separation. And Dawood said, I'm on board. 
So over the next probably eight weeks, we work with our nonprofit folks and we started a society and we started going out and talking to people who are like-minded. I think it's been a great movement. And now as chairman, I sat back and watch it happen. It's really a lot of fun to watch a lot of people succeed and help patients around the world and particularly around the United States. But now we're international as well. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? I know. And Dr. Said, he had mentioned that, too. And I do want to say that we had both of them sitting down live at the meeting and we had a little bit of technical difficulties. So Dr. Deere was nice enough to hop back on with us and, and kind of refill us back in a little bit. But I wanted to ask about the I-ASPN, the ISPN. What's going on with that? Yeah, so, you know, for years, I've felt that Americans uh, could benefit from other countries' knowledge. And so I've had a lot of friends around the world. I've been blessed to learn a lot from them. And one day I was talking to Rita Talba, my friend who runs the Cleveland Clinic Dubai, and my friend Paul Verrill is in Australia, my friend David Abihan in Spain. And we said, you know, why not have an international component of the same like-minded people who want advanced research and development and mentoring? And so they came together and, and Rita is now the chairman of that uh, aspect. We had our first webinar on regenerative medicine uh, about six weeks ago, and we had about 800 people join that webinar from around the world. So I think there's a hunger worldwide to not get bogged down in all the bureaucracy of societies, but to create a society where you can actually contribute and talk about what you want to do for patients. So uh, the international component is really exciting. We'll probably have our first international meeting in Dubai in late 22. So hopefully, Jamie, you can come join us there. I think it'll be a great meeting. That's on my bucket list. I bring the fiance with me. If I didn't, she would never let me live it down. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. That is a cool, cool place. Actually, just um, a side note, in Dubai, I just saw on Instagram, so Will Smith, I follow him. He was at the deepest swimming pool in the world in Dubai. I mean, that place is crazy. They have a sunken city. It's a swimming pool, but they literally sunk an entire city down. It's pretty wild. I would love to go. When we do triathlon, we try to stay on the surface of the water. So it doesn't matter how deep it is, really. So I can't speak to deepness of a pool, really. But I I believe you. I believe you, though. That's not a good thing if you're that deep during the ultra marathon, the triathlons and everything you're doing, man. That's for sure, man. (laughs) All right. So you filled us on the international stuff. And international pain medicine is so exciting. I mean, I'm not a practitioner. I've been in this space for 10 years I've sold different devices within the space. And I mean, just in 10 years, I've seen this specialty explode, Dr. Deer. I mean, every six months, I feel like we're getting a new therapy. Interventional pain is, like I said, it's a growing thing and people are gaining a lot of notoriety, a lot of minimally invasive things happening in the space. Where do you see this space going? I mean, over the next five years, because by then, who knows what's going to be available? Well, let me give you a three or four minute answer. There's no quick answer to this, Jamie. So if I bore you too much, just interrupt me. But when I was a medical student, I rotated with a guy named Stafford Warren in West Virginia, and he was doing this crazy thing called cardiovascular stents and angioplasty. And everybody thought he was crazy. He came from Duke and my other professor came from UVA and everyone thought they were nuts. They were doing this, they were replacing heart surgery with angioplasty and stents. And I think we're in the same spot right now. I think we're replacing a lot of larger, bigger surgeries. The good news is for surgeons though, unlike the cardiovascular surgeons who kind of gone away almost, there's a room here in our space for neurosurgery and orthopedic surgery and interventional spine, pain, physiatry, all to come together and be less invasive and get better outcomes and less costly treatments. But I will tell you one last thing about that. So I think there's an area for us to come together and help patients in a less invasive, cheaper, more cost-effective manner. But 
It's also much safer, and I think that's really important. But what we have to do is prospective randomized studies. That's why I encourage everyone in academics and everyone in private practice to come together and do research. And I've done a lot of research, Jamie, as you know, in private practice because I know we need evidence to push these therapies forward. So in five years, if we keep doing the prospective research needed, we're going to see wonderful therapies for people and less invasive therapies and more efficient, more efficacious therapies. But the research has to go along hand in hand with the innovation. Really critical. Did you see, and I know you're going to be really honest with me, when you were a young practitioner, did you see interventional pain reaching this point? I really started to see it. Be honest with you. I saw it when I started doing percutaneous stimulators in 1994, and most of them were paddles in my area. And I thought there was potential. And then when I started doing the first mild procedures back in 2008. I thought there was potential. We did DRG and we said, you know, so I saw these potentials. Where we are today, though, Jamie, just to be honest, I never dreamed we'd be here in 2021. But now I actually have the opposite impact. I think now that I think in 2026, five years from now, we can be even further along than I ever dreamed. So I am surprised that we're making this great progress because of such wonderful people. And now I'm actually going to be surprised if we don't keep going forward and actually make it even better. And that's wonderful if you're a patient, right? Because you get less done to you, you have quicker recovery, less risk. So, so I am shocked, but I won't be shocked going forward because I've learned my lesson that our friends and colleagues can do more than we think they can. They can they're smarter than we think they are. And when we take diverse groups of people and put them together in a room, they can think of stuff that no one ever dreamed they could think of. That's so spot on. And it's like every day I get up, I feel like there's, and when I go into the clinics that I work with, and even the staff within the clinics, the MAs, the P, everyone's really excited about the technologies and the therapies that they're able to step into a room and offer these patients. I mean, when a patient comes in, I think, and honestly, too, for me, selling, and I tell, I was just talking to a buddy today, with everything going on, and I think you'll agree with me, Dr. Deer, is that when I talk to a, a practitioner about different types of therapies and different solutions, like when a patient comes into a room, Dr. Deer, when you're seeing a patient, it's a mind share thing too, because there's so many different options that you have and what you could, do. it's an exciting time. It's a good problem to have, right? Somebody walks in, you get joint pain, back pain, low back pain, neck pain, headaches. I mean, knee pain, hip pain, toe pain. I mean, anything. It's awesome. No, I think you're right. So when someone comes in now, which this is how you can measure how well things are going in your own clinical practice. When someone comes in to see you as a new patient and your medical assistant and your nurse and your nurse practitioner all walk out and say, this person needs genicular nerve ablation. This person needs SPR for peripheral nerve. This person needs DRG. The fact that they've seen such good outcomes and similar patients that the whole team now is encouraged and enthusiastic about therapies, right? That doesn't happen if they don't think they're doing something wonderful for people. So we've got our team from our receptionists all the way to our to the physicians all engaged to improve our outcomes. And I, that comes with the excitement of the space. Now, again, it's very important now that we continue that momentum in a scientific evidence-based fashion because that's how we're going to do it. But so far, Jamie, going back to what you said, I see excitement from every level of my practice because we are selecting patients properly and we are getting good outcomes. And I think that's a critical part of all this. How much, I'm just curious too, and I'm sure the listeners are, I know for a fact, obviously you're very heavily, I mean, you're published heavily. You've been involved in a lot of research. It's probably hard to quantify, 
But how much research years wise do you think you've done in your practice? Well, you know, we've been involved in clinical FDA type studies since uh, 1994. So 27 years of doing research. Sometimes we have five or six studies going at once. And I'd say of those, about 80 percent, 85 percent of those studies come to a positive outcome which is certainly wonderful. Everything from early first-in-person studies to randomized clinical level one FDA approval studies. And so I think those are the types of things. And for young people wanting to get involved in research, I will tell you a couple of things. One is you have to be skeptical. I'm skeptical of every study I ever do that it isn't going to work. And two is you have to have a great team around you. My research coordinators, my nurse practitioners, my physicians, everyone does a phenomenal job. And lastly, you have to watch closely adverse effects because you want to report anything negative, not just the positive things. I think we've done all those things well, Jamie, and that's why we are where we are today in our field. We've done a good job of looking at both the objective positives, but also the objective adverse events. In terms of Aspen, the year-over-year growth, Dr. Deer, is so awesome to see. What do you attribute to that? It was incredible because I was talking to different physicians there, and they remember, was it a year, two years ago, when there was the first meeting, and you know there was good buzz about it, but this meeting was awesome. I mean, it was, I don't even know how many people attended. We had, if you take our attendance in person plus our online, we had, we actually live streamed, but we had around 3,000 people. If you had the two together, I think we had, so it was pretty amazing. But, you know, I think really it comes down to excitement among your peers. So if your peers find value in a networking situation where they feel other people have like minds to improve the specialty, then that attracts you. I'll give you an example. I grew up in a small town. And one of the churches, the average age of people were like 75 years old. And I'm not being ageist here, but young people didn't want to go to that church, right? But yet another church that had a big, what we call a, a youth fellowship. And there was all these young people going to that church. And that church was on fire. And I think the same thing happens with societies. If, if you want to talk about bureaucratic policies all day long and how to change a code from $3 reimbursement to $4 reimbursement, I'm not your person. If you want to talk about the newest therapy that we can work together to research and do a better job of being less invasive and do level one studies and make that happen for your patients and improve your practice, then you're in the right group of people. And I think that's part of it. The other thing is, Jamie, I know you know this, we've had a real commitment to diversity. And I think if you're a young woman coming out of fellowship or you're a young man coming out of fellowship or regardless of your race or gender, you have a home with us and you have like-minded people that you can share ideas with. I know that sounds kind of strange. strange for society, but we committed that on day one. And I think it's been really valuable for our, our membership to feel like they always have someone they can talk to. And we've committed to taking some of the older doctors in our field and using them to mentor others. And I think there's value in, in experience. So I think we have some great experienced physicians mentoring too. So I, I think that all those factors together has led to this great porridge, if you will, of people together. I mean, I left there as a vendor. I left there and I, I was like, I can't wait for next year. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, we're not going to wait till next year. We're actually going to get together in January, the first week of January in Las Vegas. We're going to have a, a master's class for people wanting to learn the next level. And we're going to have a master's uh, cadaver course to learn new procedures. And we're going to have a master's fellows course for fellows who, and residents who can learn. So we're going to get together, like say, the January 7th, 8th weekend in Vegas. And, and we're going to write another chapter before we get to our annual meeting next uh, July in Miami, where it'll be held again down in South Beach. You don't need me to tell you this, but you're going to need the whole Lowe's Hotel next time. Well, Lowe's or a hotel nearby that might be a little bit, little bit different. But yeah, we'll be in that vicinity and we'll probably have a whole hotel there somewhere. 
Yeah, it was a ton of people. I mean, I, it, that's a great thing, right? I mean, it was. It's good when everybody's got to stay other places because I mean, that's how many people were there. That's right. That's right. That was a. That's a good Again, sign. It's a good problem to have. It is a good sign. So I also wanted to ask you too. This has nothing to do with medicine or interventional pain, but I'm curious, and I'm sure there's other people. So what is a day in the le- so Doctor Deer gets up in the morning? What is he eating for breakfast? What's like a normal? Let's just call like. Today. Yeah. So if I'm in training, I don't eat breakfast. I eat dinner about 7 38 o'clock and I don't eat again till noon. So I, I go through a, a period of fasting. I have about four cups of coffee at 4 30 in the morning. And then I'm either swimming or biking, usually at 5 30. And then at seven, I'm at the office taking a shower and then I'm working all day. And then I'm running in the afternoon. So uh, and then family time, dinner, and then uh, a little spirituality time into bed. So I usually work out twice a day, usually about three hours a day on average to try to keep a really strict, healthy diet. The other thing is really important. I keep in contact with my friends every day, whether it be by text or phone. You can't really ever, and I work with a lot of great friends at my office, but you can't ever discount the importance of the emotional connection with your friends. I think that's very no, you important can. too. I have two brothers. I tell them this all. It's very important who you surround yourself with. Your tight circle makes up who you are. I mean, it's, that's just a fact. And so I'm very cognizant as well about who I surround myself with, the types of people and, and kind of the mindsets they have. And it's good to have some different mindsets around you too, but it's also like you want a lot of like-minded people. And I think that just kind of makes life a little more fun. But I agree with you. It's all about keeping in touch with friends and doing your thing, which obviously you're doing and you've got a lot going on and I appreciate your time. I really do. This was fun. I'm happy you're able to get on and spend some time with us at MedDevice Unleashed. We're, we're thrilled to have you, man. Well, thanks for having me, Jamie. Great work you're doing. Keep it up. And uh, I'm sure you and I will have many roads to cross together down the road here as we go. So thanks again for having me. It's my real honor and pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Deer. And hey, listen, before we go, I'm going to tell you the invite to Dubai. I'm taking that seriously. All right. Details to follow. Uh, Vegas in January of 22. And then Dubai, late 22, early 23. Okay, I'm locking it in. I'll see you there, Dr. Deer. Thank you again. See you there. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Dr. Gulati, welcome to Aspen. Thank you very much. How's it been? I think it's been a phenomenal conference. My experience with Aspen is, I think, maybe three or four years old. And the growth has been phenomenal. I think the really unique aspects of the conference and the society in general is that they're really invigorating a brand new field of young physicians, really getting involved and really embracing some of the really unique technologies that we have available for pain medicine. The way they're doing it, the community involved in pain medicine, partners in industry, getting them yeah. all co- to collaborate together. It's been a testament to their conference and society. Tell us, Dr. Gulati, where do you practice? I have been practiced in New York City at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Obviously, I specialize in taking care of both advanced cancer, active cancer disease, and also for patients who have survived cancer but have a lot of various pain symptoms associated with their treatments, you know, there's chemotherapy, surgery, or radiation. What's been your favorite part so far about Aspen? Because in my opinion, too, it's an exciting time to be in interventional pain. I'll say that a lot during this podcast because I think it's the best. I'm biased. Obviously, I'm not a practitioner, but I've sold products in this space for many years. And I just think it's the most exciting field of medicine right now. You guys are going through a lot of changes. What's been your favorite part of Aspen so far? You know, for me, it's an opportunity to collaborate with a lot of different physicians, both a lot of experience and now youthful experience, and kind of disseminate some of the ideas. For my specific field, we rely on mentorship. We rely on each other and their ideas of taking care of cancer patients. And a lot of those physicians are here. 
and they embracing the different technologies that we have here, such as yourself, the industry sponsors you speak of, and applying them to a population that's been underserved for many years. So just the fact that we get together as a large group and really talk about different ways of treating our patients is probably the best aspect of Aspen, in my opinion. Certainly doesn't hurt that it's in Miami. <laughs> well, I have been to Miami many times, so I agree with you. But there's definitely a lot of seasons in the United States, and hopefully uh, one day we can travel to all of them as we recover from the pandemic. <laughs> Absolutely. Dr. Gulati, thanks for hopping on here for a couple of minutes. Appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much. First of all, love Stratus Medical. Love what you guys do. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are about as a company and the products you're out here educating the physicians on. Yeah, Stratus Medical is a company 100% focused on radiofrequency ablation technology for the treatment of pain. Our leading product, Nimbus, is a product that we acquired in late 2019, and we knew we had a great product because Nimbus had been used, as you know, for many years outside the U.S., and the physicians that were using Nimbus were telling us that their patients had predictable, reliable, and durable pain relief. What they also told us was they had faster procedure times. Yeah. They had lower costs for their facilities, and they had more time to do other things. So since we launched Nimbus in the United States in January of 2020, we've had tremendous growth. So we're very, very happy with how things are going. In addition to MedDevice Unleashed, I own a company, Clutch City Medical, and we carry this product, and we enjoy selling it. It's a phenomenal product, helps a lot of patients, helps a lot of practices. And it's an absolute honor and a privilege to be a part of this company and to work with you and your staff. It's a growing company. How many employees do you guys have now? We're bumping up against 20. But as you know, we started with one. Right. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. We're really happy to be working with you and your team because one of the most challenging things is finding great people. We know we have a great technology. And when you can combine that with a great team, the sky's run, the limit. Sky's blue. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, using you and your team, when we can connect with the right groups and bring the right people into the company, it's a winning right. formula. So I will tell you that one of the things we focused on very closely is our team. And I think we've put together a fantastic team to build from. I could not agree more. All right, thoughts on Aspen? All I can say is, wow. To start, when we got here, they had a lab, an accredited lab, where all of these fantastic technologies were featured. And this lab is like nothing I've seen before. There were over 40 stations. It started at 6 a.m. and ended at 6 p.m. It was a 12-hour event. It was wire-to-wire. It was incredible. And that kind of set the tone for the whole meeting. There's been more energy at this meeting than any I've seen since laparoscopic cholecystectomy in the late 80s. It's really fun to be part of this. And part of that is because of this space. Interventional pain medicine, as you know, is growing so rapidly. There's so many patients that need these therapies due to the aging population, due to pre- and post-surgical problems, and also just the opioid crisis. There's a lot of emphasis on this. So all of these therapies are helping patients that are suffering. I'll tell you what, this is great to be part of ASPN. ASPN was our first conference before we even were a company. There were about 100 people here and about eight vendors. Two and a half years later, two years later, there's 1,000 people here and probably, what, 50 vendors? At least. Unbelievable. This has been something like I've not seen in my career. We're just glad to be part of this. I'm excited to be here. I know everybody here, like you said, the energy is high here. You can feel it. It's palpable. And it's been a great meeting and looking forward to next year. 
Yeah, we've been talking about this for a while, and I think we talked about this specifically, and I said, nobody wants to hear me talk for an hour, but this meeting, I think showing up here was next level. I know you had Dr. Deer on, Dr. Syed. You've had great guests, Dr. Galati. I know Dr. Goris coming up. I know you've had many others as well. I think we even have some fellows showing up. I think this is going to be really interesting stuff. A lot of people were taking notes. Med Device Unleash, most entertaining podcast I've heard in MedTech. Man, great work for you and your team, Jamie. Thanks for doing this, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Brad. It's awesome to be here with you. Dr. Wynn, welcome, sir. Tell us, where do you practice and what are you focused on? So I currently practice in Oklahoma City. My practice is involving interventional pain pretty much exclusively. I am an interventional neuroradiologist. I used to do stroke work and aneurysm work in my previous life, in addition to spine work. But now I do pretty much exclusively just interventional pain in every part of the body. (laughs) Nice. What's your favorite procedure? Oh, there's so many. But, you know, certainly some of the rewarding stuff that's still my roots is vertebral augmentation. We do now, you know, SI fusion and interspinous stuff and everything yeah pretty much awesome what's been your favorite part of aspen so far oh the collaboration and the friendliness of this society i'm fairly new this is my first meeting here i am a member for two years but this actually didn't go last year the collaboration the youth the energy yeah good energy that's what i like i just appreciate all the ideas coming from both the experience and the young ones it's great for this society You know, you probably have a really interesting story. So being a neurointerventional radiologist, when did you first kind of look on the pain side of stuff and say, all right, this is something I want to get into? Probably a decade ago. I worked very closely with my colleagues at Penn State when I used to be. My good friend Vitaly Gordon over there, he was chief of the interventional service there. And I've always watched and wanted to, you know, afar and appreciate the kind of work he did with his group. We had some several overlaps. I teach the resin and the pain. And so I've had this exposure. I've always wanted to do that. Unfortunately, it can be hard in a university setting. And my mm-hmm. goal was I knew that I was going to do this at some point. And that's a great opportunity in Oklahoma City to do this. That's awesome. So you're born and raised where? I was born in Vietnam and immigrated yeah. in U.S. in 75. Awesome. Thank you for your time, Dr. Nguyen. This has been awesome. Pleasure to have you at Aspen, obviously. I wanted to ask you, so it says faculty. So what is your role with Aspen? Yeah, so this year I was president of the American Society of Spine Radiology, ASSR. And last year we had, unfortunately, my year as a president, because of the pandemic, we had a virtual, which is unfortunate. But I knew our society and Aspen will have strong relationships. So I had Dr. Saeed and Dr. Deer present some of their material to our members it was great. Received high regards. And through that relationship, Dr. Saeed and Dr. Deer invited me here this year to be part of this meeting. I'm very happy and I'm looking forward to contribute more to this society as well as my own society in radiology. I love the collaboration. Thank you for your time, sir. Right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay, we have Dr. Gree here with us. Aspen Live. Dr. Gree, welcome, my man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited to do this. Tell us where you practice and What are you focused on within your practice? I'm at the University of Arkansas for medical sciences. I have been there for seven years. It's an academic practice, but we're pretty high volume and we try to be really cutting edge. And so I think the things that are important to me are making sure that everyone has access to high quality, equitable pain care 
I've lived and trained in New York City and Atlanta where you could throw a rock and hit a really well-trained pain doc. But that's not true in Arkansas. And you got people in Mena, Arkansas, who have the same problems that people in Midtown Manhattan have. Right. And so for me, I think it's important to make sure, and my goal is to make sure that those people don't have to fly to Mayo Clinic. They don't have to fly to Cleveland Clinic yeah, to, to get, like, that, type of treatment. To get yeah. that kind of stuff. That's great. In terms of Aspen, you know, in this meeting, is this your first time at Aspen? No, I've actually been to every Aspen, Aspen. meeting. So you've yeah. seen it grow? Old school. Yeah, no, I've seen it grow. I remember the first meeting when there was probably 200, 300 people here, and now there's thousands. So very different conference. And I love the fact you just brought up, and one of the things I love about Med Device Unleashed, and honestly, the reason I do this, I love interventional pain. I'm not yeah. a practitioner or a physician, obviously, but I've sold a lot of different devices within this space. And I'm a big proponent of what you guys and gals do to help patients and reduce opioids. And it's a fascinating field. And there's a lot of advancements. Talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you see as kind of the future for interventional pain in terms of devices. Yeah, I think the future is really customizability and making sure that patients get the right therapy for the right disease. And when we look at radiofrequency ablation, you know, sure. making sure that Sometimes patients need a certain lesion size. Sometimes the needle needs to come from a certain direction and making sure that we have access to technologies that can do that. Instead of saying every needle looks the same, they're all are going to have the same electrode at the tip and you're going to have to lay it along the nerve. That doesn't always work in certain circumstances. Same with neuromodulation. It's this idea that we put in a lead and then we change the frequency and try to guess what's going to work for the patient. When ideally... We should be looking at specific indications are going to need different stuff. Like somebody who has diabetic neuropathy is not going to need the same thing as someone who has post-laminectomy right. syndrome. So making sure that we do the science and have conversations that allow us to know how to tailor therapies a little bit better than we're doing right now. You bring up a good point. So customization, I think, honestly, it's a different type of customization, but Aspen has really customized the experience that you get when you come here. With that lab that was put on, yeah. it's very impressive. I personally, I've never seen anything like that. And you can feel the energy in this place. It's palpable. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about the importance of that kind of cadaveric training and having that on site and available for practitioners to utilize? Yeah, I mean, this is a field that's rapidly changing. And I would say 30% of the stuff that I do in my practice, I did not learn how to do in fellowship. And I've been out for seven years. So I guess I'm getting older. I try to consider myself <laughs> young, but I'm not there anymore. But I didn't do peripheral simulation in training. I didn't do RF of the sacroiliac joint or the knee in my training. I didn't implant a lot of the stimulation devices I implant right, right. now, like go through ganglion simulation. Didn't do that. So getting people, thought leaders in the field together to really, one, teach people how to do things that are going to really change quality of life. But then two, to also work together to refine the technique because there may be things that I do and I may see someone else who lives in California do it and be like, wow, they're doing it better than I am. So there's something I can learn. So that's the value. And honestly, too, in terms of the amount of devices and treatment algorithms that you guys have to go through and look at when a patient walks in a room and you're in there for, call it 20 minutes or whatever the time frame you're in there, that treatment algorithm for different disease states is just getting longer with the available devices. Especially, like you said, you're learning quickly and you're learning a lot of stuff exactly. because it feels like every six months something else is getting introduced to you guys as hey this could be the next best thing and you have to filter through what you think will work in your practice and what won't and sometimes that's a difficult thing to do and it's actually kind of a good problem to have because there's other areas of medicine that probably need some more innovation 
that aren't getting it. But international pain is in overdrive right now. Yeah, I mean, I'll just give two examples. Like, I alluded to them, but when you look at neuromodulation, all we had was tonic stem when I graduated. And now everyone has a different waveform that's sub-threshold where patients aren't feeling it. And that completely changes someone's relationship with their pain. When you look at radiofrequency ablation, every needle we had was the standard RF needle. And now we have the opportunity to go after other targets by getting bigger lesions and getting lesions of different morphology. It's really an exciting time. And I appreciate you sitting down with us and talking a little bit, Dr. Gree. And actually, your faculty, so what's your role in us? I've been faculty at the last three conferences, did a talk on radiofrequency ablation. I'm pretty passionate about improving access to care and diversity, equity, and inclusion in our field. Mm -hmm. So did some education there. Later on today, I'm talking about complications that can arise from spinal cord stimulation. So very happy to be here doing some other stuff. Glad to be back in person with all my friends. You're not kidding. Sounds like a full docket. We'll let you get back to it. Thank you, Dr. Gray. Appreciate it, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you for listening to the Med Device Unleashed podcast. If you liked this episode or previous episodes, hit the subscribe button for me. And if you have any feedback or if you have something that you'd like to hear on the podcast, you can go to www.mdunleashed.com. There's a place there. You can type it on in and hit send. And also, you can follow my company on Instagram, which is clutch underscore city underscore medical. And really what that is, is my business is a medical device distributorship, but also I do do some kind of in the life of and some sales content as well. So if you're into that type of thing, you can follow me there. But thank you for support and looking forward to the next episode. Take care.